Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender at Blender HD. And uh, this is, it's Monday. It's Monday, so we're not going to talk about yesterday's slate, or maybe we don't. We will, maybe a little. Uh, talk about today's slate and MLB. It's, we're on to MLB. NBA, I don't care about it anymore. We're done. N- NBA yesterday. Who's going to play for the Pelicans? We don't know until like 10 minutes before lock. Right. And even that, do we believe him? Who knows? We don't believe anything on the injury report anymore. So I'm glad to have baseball back. MLB. It's been four days since opening day. And it's Monday. You know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. James McCool is here. The co-author with me of the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio masterclass that you could find at theoryofdfs.com. I see you guys in the YouTube chat. Do what you normally do. Hit that thumbs up button. Keep my apple juice cold. I got a new brand today. We ran out of Minute Maid. I got Mott's. They, they come in smaller bottles. So maybe they get, I may be done with it by the end of the show. So there. So, so now we're, we're on to Mott's. I got like six pack of Mott's before we get to get more Minute Maid. I don't know. They all taste the same. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, but, but hit that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Got any general MLB DFS strategy questions? Feel free to post them in the YouTube chat uh, and we'll talk about it. So James, four days in, uh, th- how does it feel to like it lock hits in MLB and then you go about your life pretty much? Yeah, I, I mean, it's been just beautiful. I've been so John happy. Murphy was scratched, the catcher for the A's. Oh, oh, what do we do? I mean, like... Like, that's the big, like, it's like, okay, if you have them in your stacks or one-off, you global replace. I mean, like, I'm not not rushing to my computer or anything. Like, oh, great, the the seventh hitter for the A's that I didn't even stack. I don't even have him in lineup. So let And and then it's like, oh, if he doesn't play, I need to, no, there's no, like, so I play a crappier catcher, and then, no, you don't have to do that. And even if he's scratched, his replacement is probably cheaper. And if you stacked the A's, guess what? You just global swapped to his replacement because he's cheaper and it's not going to mess with your... It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, I'm very happy to have it back. Uh, it's been a, a good, eventful couple days. We've seen um, Yerman Mercedes break a, a record that had been held since 1900 when he was 57% owned and he hits a home run. and <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. Um, no one knew who this guy was, like... Before this, no one, I mean, all I knew is that he was like, uh, that first day, he was like 2,200, and he's a catcher, and yeah. and it's like, okay, I guess I'm playing the cheap catcher that's batting fifth, yeah, as opposed to the ones that are batting eighth. Well, the, uh, five for five, and then it's like, okay, well, they raised him price, they raised his price 200, got to play him again, batting fifth, then he goes, to, hits a home run, and just he, just as long as you play your, as long, and, and, and then Otani did the thing that was unthinkable, got him out. Yeah, it's the only picture to get him out. <laughs> Struck him out. It's uh, it's it's been beautiful, man. Um, I, I and all I'm doing with NBA, I'm because I'm still providing projections. I'm still providing my content, but like the low stress of knowing that like I'm not actually playing NBA DFS and that I'm just like not actually having to worry about the dudes who are getting like flipped out or the, the Orlando team that is not like Orlando is playing guys that are not even bench replacement level players at this point. Like they're starting Chasson Randall. I don't, 
I, I don't even know who that did he go to college it uh, I don't know who that is um it's terrible so I'm happy that I won't be his back um it's been nice to it's been even nice to MME a little bit um and that's something that I've been kind of trying to oh, dedicate you've been a little doing bit. that but you got sick of that in NBA well, I'm trying to... I, I, are you you're you're playing see I think we're, we went the opposite way well, no, 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 no. So I, it is one thing that I have been wanting to do this year is I've been trying to get better at my MME process. I'm not doing it every day. I'm doing it when it's a big slate, when I can just like build out my stacks and I don't have to worry so much about uh, the extra like grouping and the extra like pitcher. I, I'm doing it on large slates, but I'm still playing single entries. Like I was still in the 250 yesterday. I was still in the 180 the day before. Like I'm still doing those things and those like smaller field single entry three max stuff. But I want to get better at MME and I want to get better at that because that's something that I have always like wanted to learn a little bit more. And I've always wanted to kind of like jump into that area. But before it was always just like, oh, hey, I have like, a little bit of extra time today. I guess I'm going to throw 600 bucks at the wall and see what sticks. And now I am trying to like learn a little bit better about my own process and how to incorporate my own models with it. Um, just because I, I think that it's something that I can get better at. And I always want to be improving anyway. So um, are you doing that on DraftKings or FanDuel? DraftKings. Yeah, I'm playing on FanDuel. That's why I said we're doing the, we're doing the opposite. I'm, I'm, I'm playing hundred to 150 lineups on FanDuel in their large field stuff, which their payout structure is garbage. I mean, but oh, I look at DraftKings and the payout structures, it's million to first and seventh place is eight bucks or what I mean. Yeah. Like it's, it's the same to me. It's the same thing. Uh, the DraftKings uh, fields are a little bit smaller, a little bit, it's like 70,000. It's like 35,000. Yeah. But uh, instead of paying $15 or whatever, you're paying three dollars and thirty three cents or three bucks. That's the big thing. Yeah. So like, and, I, but only because I'm experimenting with stuff on Fanduel with this multiple positional eligibility. The amount of combat, like, it increases the number of combinations. But I suspect that uh, the nut score is it's you. It's more important to get closer to the nut score than it is on DraftKings. Now, the likelihood of the nut score happening is low. The nut score meaning the optimal, optimal, like the yeah, yeah. best possible lineup you could have possibly made. A lot of times it's not stacked. It's, it's just a mess of crap, uh, which if you if you could do that, God bless you. I mean, there's like if you could figure out the exact three here and the exact one there, it's not going to happen that often. But the fact that we have guys now on FanDuel that could could fit into three spots DraftKings, you can only fit guys into two spots. They have they have a lot of multiple positional eligibility, but they don't have a utility position. Right. So it's like you have Bellinger that's first base outfielder. You have second base shortstop guys. You got first, you got second, third guys. You got third base outfield guys, which is like, it, it makes outfield kind of, you know, you have to get outfield right more often than not. But on draft, on, on, on FanDuel with the, the utility, it's like you could play Seager and Tatis. You could play Machado Endeavor. You could play two big guys from an infield position, two big first base, Abreu and Freeman. Like you can't do that on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. And with the multiple positional eligibility, it makes it easier to stack, to to have different stacks. But it also means that I'm more inclined to to build like 4-3-1 lineups, more so than 4-4 lineups, only because 
the guy, you know, the, the guy that hits, uh, you know, two home runs in a game is more likely to be in the winning GPP lineup, regardless if it's stacked or not. So by playing four, four, like you're locking yourself off to a third team. And if you play four, three, one, at least you have, you have opportunities like that. I'm just surmising this. I, I, I'm not saying what it is, but I've also, but I've noticed in building uh four, four stacks, you know, four of one team and four of the other, you could get a lot more diverse. You could get much more diversity now on FanDuel than you used to get because of MPE. I, I never liked playing uh, FanDuel GPPs primarily for that fact for like, there's only so many ways a four man stack and another four man stack and a pitcher like, like fit together because of the physical, because it's like, like, well, they both have good first baseman. It's like, well, you got to play one in first and then one in the, in the utility. And then, then you, you lock yourself out from a, you know, like now you have to, the cheat, it has to be the cheap shorts. Freddie Galvis has to be in this lineup because of that combination. And then you're playing like, you have like 10 to 15 of that exact combination and they all have Freddie Galvis. And you're just like, like, how do I make, how do I make this four, four without Galvis in it with, while still playing these two first basemen and still paying up at pitcher. Like you couldn't do that before, but now because several guys are eligible at multiple spots, like you get, you get much more different lineups. So I don't mind playing a hundred to 150 now because you know, I played what the other I, Tigers, Akil Badu, Badu. I don't even know who that guy is. He was in two of my lineups. I've not. I, I literally had no idea who he was. No idea. I, all I knew is that Savali was was going to be chalky, and I'm like, I'll play. I'll play a couple of couple of Tigers now. I'll, I'll put Tigers six percent. Give me six percent Tigers wherever the hell it fits. And some and Akil Badu ended up in two of my lineups. Ninth hitter. I would have normally picked him, but he hit a home run. And I'm like, okay, who's this? Who's this creative player? Then I go, I go to lineup HQ and I go, oh, I, got, I have two of them. Oh, oh, isn't that nice? Of course, not paired with the right stuff, but, but I, I, on DraftKings, because you're probably stacking five and there's no utility spot, the differentiation there is the pitcher. Like you get more combinations because you, you have to play two pitchers. Mm-hmm. More than that, uh, more more uh, than on FanDuel, we we only play one, so that increases your diversity in your in your sets. But it's still how many? If you're playing five threes, like I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I obviously I haven't done the math, but on like this seven game slate tonight, if you take out the pitchers, I think it may be you may be able to make more four four lineups on. FanDuel, then you can five three lineups on DraftKings. Yeah, I'd almost guarantee you can. Like, I, and I haven't done the math either, but just considering the fact that you only need one pitcher and you have the extra utility spot with the MPE, I, I'm sure that the stacking capabilities on FanDuel, you you can make a lot more combinations. And you, the the thing that you mentioned about FanDuel having its large GPP be bigger but also be cheaper, that's much nicer for experimenting. And I know a lot of guys that go over and play on FanDuel simply because their their large field gpp their big contest is cheaper and, and it's just nicer to mme there's less risk like the and even the other day on saturday i think it was the the main DraftKings gpp was 18 dollars, and that's like that's a pretty good investment if you're gonna mme that you know 
Um, whereas that's the main reason why in the past, like that $15 contest, I played 50 lineups. Yeah. And that's That's what I'm doing. People are like, why don't you play 150? It's like, (laughs) I'm not going to win. I I don't, I have to, it's, uh, it's high risk to have to win first place in a GPP. Like once every, if I max that, you have to win like once every two or three months minimum just to break even. Yeah. So it's like, why don't I just single entry there or the, for the 20 max, I mean, yeah, that's like a three to four, three to five K first place prize. Yeah. But on, but on FanDuel, the structure at the top is God awful. I mean, it's worse than draft. DraftKings is bad, but FanDuel, it's like 40,000 to first, 10,000 to second, and like eighth place is $300. I mean, like yeah. it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. But if, if, if I'm just, if I'm just looking to get my feet wet by like, okay, I'm just gonna play a hundred to 150 lineups. I get to get used to the players, get used to everything, uh, to the lineup constructions and just whatever. I mean, I mean, like today, I'm playing a hundred lineups on FanDuel for three bucks. That's three hundred dollars, yeah. and that'll be the same as me playing what ten lineups? No, 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 twenty, twenty, 20 over, lines, right? Yeah, twenty lineups over on DraftKings, and and you which, get which five times fine, which is lineups. which is still fine. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, it, but with it, twenty line with with twenty lineups, if you're gonna play, if and and you're looking for diversification, like you're gonna you're gonna have to, you're gonna have you're gonna have to make tough choices. You are, which and which I'm used yeah, which I'm used to doing. Hey, when I yeah. I would play 40, 50 lineups, I would same exact thing. I just like I guess I'm just fading a game. I'm just fading a stat. I'm just xing out a team. I'm not playing this pitcher. Just it doesn't matter. Just chalk pitcher. No, I'm just not playing him in any of my fifty lineups. But I have to, I have to get myself that like it's you have to make the tough choices. But in the beginning of the season, I don't want to make tough choices. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. So it's kind of like like can I just get the constructions right? Especially in the beginning of the season, you're gonna get probably more more likely than not new money into the ecosystem. And I think just on construction alone, I have an edge in large fields. I mean, you're gonna have that the whole season regardless. But I think the edge in the beginning of the season is the highest and it tails off towards the end of the season. We're yeah. going to see come September. Once NFL starts in the beginning of September, MLB contests are going to go, this is going to shrink away. And it's going to be mostly like regulars playing. Uh, so in the beginning of the season, I don't mind like, uh, dude, I'll just play. Like, yesterday on FanDuel, I, it, 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 I, I played nearly every stack. I played 150 lineups and just like, just give me, give me 20% Baltimore. Or that was the team that I was over the field on, of course, did very well, didn't pair them well with, with the other side. And I just like, I, I looked at my exposure and I'm like, oh, I guess, uh, I guess, I guess, I guess I could win in a lot of ways. I, I'm playing like, a, I'm playing at least one of like everything pretty much. I'm playing like half the pitchers on the slate, but I got the constructions right. So hope for the best i mean i was at first for a while until you know baltimore got out there after three innings and then then everyone else caught up so yeah so i ended up with what the best lineup was like 58th place or something which is a, a can of sardines or something like that. right right you look and you're like oh i put in i put in 400 and whatever for 500 bucks and got back got back like 420 so it's like i lost 70 bucks on the day even though i was in first for like two hours of the slate yeah yeah, uh, the it's it's nice to spread things out, and you and I are a lot different with that too. Like I I take a lot of risk, and like I said on course lights, like course lights, one of the reasons why I like to try to 
MME and do that kind of stuff on course lights because it is so condensed um, with the ownerships on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Course lights, like the Dodgers were touching 60% ownership in GBPs. 60% ownership in GBPs. That is insane for baseball. But it makes my decisions really, really easy. Because at that point, like, all I have to do is just say, okay, I'm not playing anybody from cores, and then I can do whatever else I want. It, it doesn't even matter what else I do because I'm fading the 60% on Dodgers and then probably another, like, 5 to 7% of whatever the Rockies were owned. And now, it, you know, there's 30% of the field left that I'm competing against if cores fails. So I, I like slates where there's going to be very condensed ownership. I had mentioned before that I really like smaller slates, like anything under four games. I really, really like because it's really easy to just know, it, you know, if, if it's four game slate and there's one pitcher that is good and, you know, six other pitchers, seven other pitchers that are not so great. It's really easy to just know where your leverage points are. So I, I like doing that kind of stuff when it is a shorter slate or when it is a core slate. Um, slates like tonight where we're not going to have cores, it's going to be a little bit more interesting. I don't know if I'm actually going to jump into building multiple lineups tonight because uh, unless something, uh, I know that DeGrom is on the slate and, but I'm not going to stack against DeGrom and I'm probably not going to fade DeGrom. So like, I don't know where my leverage is on a slate like that. So tonight I'm much more inclined to play one to three lineups, play my normal three of max stuff and, um, find my leverage points in a little bit more of a nuanced way rather than just fading out an entire game or an entire pitcher. Yeah. When, when, it, when it comes to leverage in MLB, I mean, we're getting, getting some of these questions in, uh, in the Roto Grinders discord. I'm mostly in the back chat, by the way, uh, with calculating leverage, like that, the, the blunt way to do so, which we explain in, in the course is to just multiply the ownerships of the players together. And that'll that that uniqueness. So if you have a fifty percent owned player plus a fifteen percent owned player, the the likelihood of those two being together is twenty five percent, right? And another fifty percent owned player, that'll make it twelve point five percent. So you go in and then you multiply it by the by the field size, and you go if it's less than one, that like that's supposed to be like the estimate of how many lineups are in that contest that look like that. Now, obviously, if it's over one, that means there's going to be multiple. It's going to be duplicated, right? The thing is, is that that calculation does not take into account. I mean, it's a blunt tool as it is, because we have projected ownership, so that doesn't. That's not the actual ownership, but it does not take into account correlation. Right Stop. now, in a, in a sport like NBA, where the correlations are weak, which means people are less likely to less likely to correlate anything, so. If you're trying to figure out, okay, well, uh, Seth Car- uh, Steph Curry and Trey Young last night, they're both playing in the same game. If one's 50% owned the other, and the other's 50% owned, well, you can say, well, 25% of the lineups probably have both. I'm going to guess that it's slightly more than that, that it's not 25%. It's more like 30%. Because there's going to be more people are likely to play since they're in the same game than together, Right. But in NBA, you don't have to. So, like, how much of the field is doing that? Not as much. In MLB, it's like all correlation all the time, right? So if you if you're if you look at the Dodgers, whatever at cores, and you see if you saw, let's say, I'm just making the, the numbers up: fifty percent ownership on Betts, fifty percent ownership on Seager, and fifty percent ownership on Bellinger. Based on that, the calculation that you do to estimate whatever 
That would be 12.5%. That you go like 50% times 50% is 25%. Times 50% is 12.5%. You go, okay, how many lineups in this contest have all three in the same lineup? 12.5%, I guarantee you it's like three times that. Because it's you're more likely, if, if Seager's in the lineup, you're more likely to have Bellinger and Betts and Matt Muncie and Will Smith and like, because people are stacking. You're going to get threes, fours, fives, together so when you do when when you look at a lineup and you go well can i play a dodger stack well if you did that calculation you'd be like okay well i'm gonna play i'm gonna play on on DraftKings. i'm gonna play five dodgers let's say they all were 50 percent owned let's just say i mean you're gonna get oh oh only only like one percent of the lineups have this like no 15 percent of the lineups have because People are playing Dodger stacks. So when I cut, when I look for leverage situations in baseball, I'm not calculating that way. I'm looking at the, the aggregate stack ownership to begin with. Right. I'm looking like you could play the chalk Dodgers or whatever chalk Yankees the other day. Now, if you play the eighth hitter in that stack, like that's, that gives you more, that, that gives you more leverage than playing like the the chalk five-man or four-man on FanDuel. Or if you're going to play the three-man, if you're going to play a 5-3 on DraftKings, if that three-man, if you're playing the three-man of Bellinger, Betts, you know, Seager or something like that, like just understand that 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 three-man, that combination is going to be in a lot of lineups. So your five-man opposite that needs to be even lower owned than you, than, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play a 7% owned stack. It's like, the amount of combinations that that could happen, like you're gonna you're gonna run into the same line. Yeah, I mean, it sounds odd to say in baseball, but you're gonna run into the same exact lineup, right there. If you have the two chalk pitchers, the second most owned stack with some cheap guy, and the three most owned players on the, the five man stack that's most owned, like that's not enough. Let you you do the calculation and you go, oh, it's under one. I should be fine, and you're not, because you almost have to you almost have to take teams like together as a number rather than like if what's the stack's going to be 4% owned and 12% owned. Then you combine that. And then you could look at the pictures and then do something like that. Then then you may have a one-off. So it's not as much. I mean, even though these types of calculations are blunt, like this is just to give you a sense of if you have enough leverage and it's much better than the cumulative ownership, the sum of all of them. But I've got I've gotten a lot of th- a lot of questions. Oh well, I could play I could play the four chalk guys and then this other four man stack on Fanduel and the chalk pitcher and based on you know it's a seventy one thousand person contest and I still come in under one and I go you know, you're not you're not good enough like that's the four the four four that you're playing is like the top two like like dude you you're literally gonna run into like twenty seven duplicates of this lineup and you're like. How is that possible? It's under one, like, because it spends all the salary. It has the chalk pitcher. It has the four chalkies players of the chalk stack. And the second most expensive, the second popular stack. Yes, it had. Yeah, you're right. It has, it has like the seventh hitter, but that's the only way to fit that. That if you're going to, st- if you went into an optimizer and literally said, give me a four, four of these two teams, that would, that would be the number one, like by projection, by default, even though it has the seventh hitter in it, 
because in order to have 35,000 in salary, that's the only way you could do it. So like you have to grasp that you're not just owning players. You're, you're owning like stack combinations and these stack combinations with half the field stacking. Now half the field doesn't stack. So those in the long run, those people are just donating money. So if they win, they win. There's half the lineups in the contest, whatever. Don't worry about them. But for the most part, uh, when, when you, uh, James, when you calculate leverage, like you're, you're not just, you're, you're not just going like one by one down, down the thing going player by player by player by player. I mean, you're, you're taking into account that, that stacks are going to be owned and the players don't, don't necessarily matter as much. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where if you start with, I tell most people start with pitcher and then move on to their stacks and then figure it out from there. In GPPs, you can do it backwards where you start with your stacks and then you go to your pitcher. But a lot of the time, especially when you have a situation like cores and and you have a team that is good and you know, that they're going to be high owned. Um, you can already, you can automatically assume that if a team like the Dodgers are going to be in cores and each individual player of like the top five owned players is going to be somewhere between 40 and 50% owned. You can probably just say that stack's going to be 25% or so of the lineups, right? Like it's, it's just, you're, you're not multiplying against each other because you can't think in terms of individual players in MLB. You can't do it in NHL either. Uh, In these event oriented stacking sports or league of legends, even better. Or yeah, League of Legends. Like you, you pretty much you look at like top esports when they're going to be a favorite, and you just know like you're not looking at Jackie Love and you're not looking at Zuhao and like you're not looking at those guys individually and saying, oh, Jackie Love's going to be seventy percent owned. Like no, the top esports is going to be seventy percent owned, and so like that's just going to be the way that it is. Same thing with any stacking sport. You you look at the teams individually. And that goes, you know, even farther beyond the idea of ownership and leverage. You should be looking at the teams and the team statistics as a combined effort rather than just individual players. Looking at an individual player projection is great if you have a 1v1 decision or if you have, like, you're trying to decide who you want in your stacks or whatever. But for the most part, like, you don't even care about individual players. You care about trying to stack them. You care about the correlation between the players and you try to fit them with the best pitchers possible. Um, and if if you have the top overall owned pitcher that is like underpriced, like we we know that he's underpriced, he's only 7K on FanDuel or something like that. And you have the top overall owned pitcher with the top overall all owned stack. If you don't get super weird with that secondary stack, like, like, what are you even doing? It, not, not only are you probably going to be duped if you take all of the top owned pieces, but also how do you expect to actually win a contest of 71,000 people if you have no relative value over the rest of the field? Like if you have no relative leverage over anybody else because you took the top owned pitcher and you played safe and you took the top owned stack and then you took the second top owned stack, how do you expect to pass people? If, if you get everything, it was the other night with, we were talking at the beginning of this with like Yerman Mercedes and the Dodgers stacks and everything like that, that, that night, there were people who had Dodgers stacks with Yerman Mercedes and with the good pitchers who didn't catch. And it's because like, 
you got everything else that everybody else got. So you didn't pass anybody. Like you, you were all just moving up together as this conglomerate of a 50% owned basically train. You, you can't pass anybody. So there's just, there's so much more equity and there's so much more leverage and there's so much more upside to avoiding at least the top owned pitcher or the top owned stack. So you can go in and you can calculate the leverage that you might need if you take the top overall owned stack or the top overall owned pitcher or both. But even then, if you're not really weird with that second stack, uh, you're probably not passing that many people and you're probably not actually giving yourself a chance to win large field GBPs. That, that's why my, my goal is to pair, pair chalk with nutso with weird stuff. I mean, that's, that's the vomit stack strategy. I mean, like, yeah, great. I have the five-man vomit stack, but it's paired with the chalk three-man. I mean, like, and, and the chalk pitcher, uh, one of the chalk pit, I mean, like, it's the combination. It, that, we talk about it all the time. Lineups, not players. So, like, if you take a look at, at FanDuel the past, like, yesterday, like, I played the tiny Yankees. They didn't get there. But, I mean, I played the Yankees with the Orioles, with the with the Tigers, with the with, with the, the with the Reds, with low, with, I mean, I look at my FanDuel 4-4s, and Baltimore was like, you know, I, I have Rhea Ruiz at like 0.8% owned. Cedric Mullins put up like 37 points at like 1.2% owned on FanDuel. It's like, do I care that I have Chalk Aaron Judge in that? No, I don't. Do I care about having Chalk whoever? Who, who was Chalk yesterday? Picture. Savali was Chalk. Someone. Someone someone other than Savali. Eppling, and, uh, Ian Anderson. Oh, Ian Anderson. Yeah, it, it, I don't mind that. Like I'm looking at I'm looking at my stack ownership, and it's like, like the weird the weird stacks that that I had. I don't have my, I don't mind having the Red Sox in my 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 Red stacks that when Castellanos is four percent owned, right? Like I don't I don't I don't I'm trying to pair that together. What I don't want is pairing the four fours of like the top two owned stacks. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't like yesterday. I, did, I Try to avoid having Yankees Red Sox types of lineups, right? Because they were like the first and second. Toronto was actually much lower than I thought. Uh, but I had a bunch of like Toronto, Baltimore. It's like, okay, that kind of goes together. So I'm trying to weave those types of lineups. And in the lineups, hey, if I wanted to have a Yankees Red Sox type of 4 4, then that's a lineup that I have, you know, some 2% owned pitcher, right? The Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman, right? He came out of the blue, right? He's no, he's no longer in Colorado. Apparently, he can pitch now. Yeah, well, here in Colorado, we don't develop pitchers. We just make money off concessions. So, um, yeah, it, it's it, it's nice to be able to look at things that way and objectively. And isn't it just so much nicer than trying to put together a parlay of NBA players? Isn't it just so much nicer than, like, that's the thing. And one of the things I was mentioning before the show started, I usually make it about two weeks in to, to MLB season before I start having to have the conversation of, should we be stacking an MLB? Uh, Because somebody wins a GPP with three stack and it's just like, Oh, that's the new thing. It's it's not the new thing. It's never the new thing. The math says that it's not the new thing. Um, And anybody telling you this new thing is just 
just don't listen to that. Uh, stacking works because the correlations are so good and you're making less decisions and you're having to get less right. And that's the beauty of what stacking is. It's the reason why we stack in baseball, in NHL, in League of Legends, in NFL, like all of these things, the less decisions you have to get right, the easier it is to actually win when the things that you got right go really, really well. Like with Baltimore yesterday or like with Toronto or like with Cleveland, like those teams, you could have taken those teams at really, really low ownership and, and stacked them. Like you didn't have to go home run hunting. You could have just stacked those teams. And that was a great decision to pair with either the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Reds. I thought the Reds were going to be a little bit higher owned, And I paired them with, um, I don't know, with the, uh, with the Braves, with the Braves yesterday, I, I had Reds Braves. And the Braves got shut out, but I thought the Reds were going to be higher owned, so I tried to pair them together. But see, I only made two decisions. One decision, two decisions, and that's all That's all that I had to do. I didn't have to go home run hunting. Um, and just don't go home run hunting. That's that's my rant here, I think. But you're going to see people do it, and as long as there are a line... What, what, you're, what you're aiming to do in DFS is build lineups that have a higher expectation than what they'll be owned. That's it. Like they're, this lineup's probability of winning is X and it's higher than other lineups in the contest. That's it. That's all DFS is in GPPs. If you have, if you have a, a, a lineup that has a 1% chance of winning and then no lineup has 1% chance of winning a large field GPP, but let's use real numbers rather than 0.008, whatever. So let's say your lineup has 2% chance of winning. And this other lineup that you see has a 1% chance of winning. That the, you want to play the lineup with a 2% chance of winning versus the 1% chance. doesn't mean the other lineup can't possibly win, but it wins twice as less as, you, as your lineup, right? A lineup that could only win 0.5% of the time. Well, now you're four, you're four times a favorite over that lineup. Like if you could play more of those 2% chance to win lineups, you could play a hundred of them and someone else is playing onesies and twosies of the 0.001%. Like, it doesn't mean those lineups can't win. And understand in a large field contest with 70,000 entries, 30 to 40,000 of them are going to be lineups that you look at and you go, I don't, seems like uh, someone just took their head and banged it against the keyboard. And one of those, one of them could win. Sure, yeah, right. You're going to see, you're going to see through two, 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 one, one lineups. You're going to see, you know, four X lineups. You're going to see, a lot, a lot of stuff. Now, in the smaller slates, the correlation isn't as important because, I mean, it's still important, but it's less necessary because there's less chances of one team like just going absolutely nuclear on a slate. So I can get it on it's five game slate, four game slate, three. I mean, three game slate. I mean, now you can take advantage of people that are stacking because there's only so many combinations that way. So the only way to get different is by like sort of not stacking. So I can understand like five games and below to be playing like four, two lineups or four, like on, 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 on DraftKings playing like uh like three, three, two type of stuff on FanDuel, maybe playing four X even. So you're playing four, a four man stack and then four one-offs on smaller slates. But when we had, you know, once, once you start opening the number, number teams, it's like, there's going to be one team that you're going to need more likely than not. There may be a second team. And if there's two of them, you, I mean, you have one team, if you have a team that put up 12 runs, another team puts up 10 runs, another team puts up nine runs with four home runs, most likely the winning lineup is going to be 
some type of five, two, one, five, three, four, 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 three, some type, some type of double stacked lineup to some extent that that's going to happen more often than not, but not every slate. And even in those instances where like one, you have teams like that, one guy may put up three home runs and some weird lineup that has like three, three, some, you know, I, I just, I closed my eyes and tried to home run hunt. Maybe, maybe wins. And you look at the lineup, you go, that's not, that's not repeat. That's, that's not a repeatable process that you could possibly have. So want to get lucky on one slate, go, go ahead and do it. But for the most part, like, like I, on DraftKings, like they're, they're, on a slate of like seven games, like we have tonight, or even five, like even five, six, six, I mean, there's really, once it gets down to maybe three or four, I think about it, but I mean, you're not going to find me with a, not a five-man stack on DraftKings. Just like on FanDuel, you're not going to find me without a four. Like, you're not going to, like, it's going to be four, 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 three, one. Like, like there's like, there's almost no no other combinations that I'd possibly make on 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 FanDuel and on on, on DraftKings. Like, yeah, you could get away with five one one one. Like that's fine as long as your your, your main stack is five five. But you could also do four three one on DraftKings. Okay, that's that's doable. But I'm more likely to find have the team that puts up a ton of runs. Have five of them. You have you don't have a utility spot on DraftKings. So you don't have to get the nuts. You know, you know, you're looking at, oh, a guy put up two home runs, but he's in, he's 1% owned and no one played that stack. And it's like the likelihood of him being in the winning lineup is actually going to be quite low. Mm-hmm. You know, look at, oh, the guy that has 37 points on, on DraftKings isn't even in the winning lineup Because the only way, because that whoever has that stack at like almost no percent, has to be perfect in all the other spots also in order to get their lineup all the way to the top. And that someone that has the, that guy as the one-off in like a four, three, one or something, or a five, one, 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 they also have to get everything, but he's only, he's only like 1% owned. So there's so few lineups that could fit that, that type of combination. They could be less worried about now. If that guy's obviously 26% owned, like you're dead. Right. <laughs> right. If it's JD Martinez against the lefty in Benway, Right, and he puts up you know forty points or something like, like you're, you're dead. It, it, do you have Red Sox stacks? No. Do you have him as a one-off? No, you're dead. Just don't even bother. Right, <laughs> it's twenty-five percent owned, but these like one percent owned dudes, like, like screw them. If they if they, they're most likely not going to beat you, even in large field GPPs, on DraftKings and FanDuel. But I think it's more likely they beat you on FanDuel now. Mm-hmm because of the MPE and the utility spot than they do on DraftKings. I, DraftKings is weird. I think DraftKings, you can win a GPP with a zero. And and people frequently do. Right. Re- well, relatively frequently, Rel- relative to like other sports. Like you can legitimately win with zeros and you can legitimately punt an entire position and have it get you like four, six points or something like that. But if that's the only way to stack the Yankees and the Red Sox and you know, the Red Sox are only 3% owned for whatever reason. And they both put up 12 runs, but the dude that you absolutely punted only gets six points, but he was the only way for you to get those two stacks. But you're right, still going to win. The 50, you played the $5,300 pitcher that no one wanted to play at 1.8% ownership. And he puts up 26 
And it's like, that's the only, wow, oh, that's the only, that's the only way you could get that combination of points. Yeah. And you have three points in your shortstop spot and you're like, oh, I could still win that way. Mm-hmm. You could still do that on FanDuel somewhat, but I think l- much less so because well, FanDuel, of the utility position. It's it's harder on FanDuel, I think. And one of the reasons why I like playing on DraftKings is because you do have to get both pitchers right. And I think that that puts, one, it puts a strain on uh, the process of actually creating the projections because projections do matter for pitchers. Like you, you have to be good at projecting pitchers in order to find success, um, and especially so on DraftKings, because you have to take two of them. And generally, you have to make some sort of a weird decision with your SB2. Like, it, sometimes it's just a layup, right? Like, sometimes you have DeGrom, who is 11K, and then you have, um, like, Vince Velasquez against, who's terrible this year, uh, Cleveland or something like that. Like, so, some high upside strikeout pitcher is only 6K, and sometimes, sometimes it's a layup. But a lot of the time, I think on DraftKings, one of the reasons why I like building there is because a lot of people are not super great at projecting pitchers, and a lot of people don't take advantage enough of the secondary pitchers that people latch onto. Um, you know, if if somebody like Zach Eflin is going to be really really popular at seventy five hundred bucks on DraftKings, that's a great opportunity in GPPs to be able to attack him. Whereas on FanDuel, he's only going to be like. 11% owned because people don't need to use him. So I, I like that aspect of DraftKings where the, the roster construction is allowing you to take advantage of people's mistakes, I think a little bit more often because you're right, FanDuel, especially now that there's MPE, you're going to be able to build some kick-ass lineups. Like you're, well, That's you're- why I leave money on the table. I mean, yesterday I played 150 lineups. More than 100 of them left at least 1,500 on the table. I believe that. I believe that. That's the only way to play those. I was, I, I went in. I'm like, I want to play a ton of Baltimore. I want to play a ton. I want to play a bunch of the Tigers. And the chalk was like the Yankees and the Red Sox, but like you couldn't even spend your money. Like the pricing was so soft that you could have played like Eflin or Savali or one of those, you know, higher price, but uh, Zach Davis, he was chalky. And then still play like a Yankee stack plus a four, like, like I set the the minimum to like four uh, thirty four thousand, which is a thousand on the table, and I'm like I'm getting like like three percent Baltimore, and I'm like, dude, I want to get twenty percent Baltimore, and it's like I and then I looked and I'm like I sort by salary and I'm like, this, these lineups that had thirty four thousand, like still had Yank, still had shot, I mean, still was like I'm still playing like Aaron Judge and and JD Martinez in these lineups, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, the only I guess the only the only way to get these stacks is by uh, not spending that much money. And there weren't like stud pitchers to pay up for. And if you're going to pay up for a one-off, like it's the chalk people anyway. So it's like, like at this point, the salary cap doesn't matter anymore. It's right. like, I need, I need the correlation more than I need to the projection. The, and the lineups didn't even project badly. I mean, I mean like the top four, four optimal with like Yankees, Red Sox type of thing was like, like 122. And my lineups that left 4,000 on the table projected as, as like 109 and it's like well yeah i could I, yeah i'm sure i'm giving up 13 points in median but it's ba- i'm giving it all in the hitters right it's it basically all the projection i'm getting it's because i don't have yankees in this lineup that's where all the points are it's not like i'm giving it up at pitcher so just like if the yankees don't do anything like these lineups are exactly the same mm-hmm. right if aaron judge puts up a zero instead of an 11 
That's it. That's that, I mean, literally the lineups are exactly the same, even though one's leaving 4,000 on the table. So give it to me. Give me Baltimore plus Minnesota. Give me, give me, I'm, I'm giving all these combinations, but you know how many people are just like, I, I can't play a lineup that leaves 4,000 on the table. Like, good, good. I will. Right. Well, that just means that the chalk is even more chalky. And I go in there and I see, I, I'd lineups that like, my highest owned player in the lineup was 7% owned on FanDuel. Like that's the highest owned player. And it's like, well, what else am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to just play the Yankees because it's too much leverage? It's like, no, I'm betting on teams. Yeah. And I don't think that you can over leverage yourself in MLB. I I don't think so. Do you think so? I think a pitcher you can. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Like if if you're going to do a five, three or something or a four, four, like you're going to do one of those locked lineups. So obviously when you play with a one-off, when you play five, two, one or four, three, one, you have that one, one-off that you could, you could go up and like that jigsaw puzzle is easy to fit around. But if you're going to play a locked lineup, like a five, three or four, four, if you're going to play a four, four of like 1% play the chalk pitcher, just play the highest rejected pitcher. Sure. Like don't get to me that, that the pitcher is the least variant position in MLB DFS. So like if I'm going to on FanDuel, if on, on, on DraftKings, I'm going to play five, three, and my five-man stack is 2% owned, and my three-man stack is only 5% owned, I'm just going to play the two-truck pitchers. I mean, like, just give me the highest projected combination of those two pitchers. Like, to me, that's that's what I would do. That, to me, that would be, like, too much. If you then also went to the 1% owned pitchers, like, what, what what was the point of that? Like, why, why are you right. doing that? Yeah, and I can agree with that. I, I, I meant that in terms of, like, the stacks that you make. Like, and, but you're right. I, I should clarify that because if you're going to have teams that are, you know, less than 10% owned in terms of your stacks, that you, like I said, you still have to follow projections on pitchers. So I think that still matters, but I mean, when it comes play to the your, best projected pitchers, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, exactly and, what I'm saying. And it doesn't matter what their ownership is anymore. Cause you're, you're good. Your stacks are barely. Yeah. Owned. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I mean by it. It's like, you, you can play whatever stacks you want. You can. It does not matter what the ownership is on your stacks, uh, just because the more leverage that you have, the the less people you are competing against with your stacks. And because everybody has a floor of zero, it's not like the medians matter. The medians don't matter at all when when it comes to MLB outside of your pitchers. Like you should be trying to get the best pitchers that you can possibly be, um, and surrounding them with plenty of leverage and plenty of upside. And, and that's, that's all that really MLB is, man. And it, when people are stacking up, like I, I talk a lot of crap on Julio Teheran, but whenever people take Julio Teheran, whenever he, he's on a slate, it's like, all right, I, I have to, I have to play this slate like a champion because people are just going to default to this guy. That's terrible. People play these terrible pitchers because they are expensive and because they're slightly better than the other pitchers that are on the slate. When like Julio Teheran, who's a $6,500 pitcher is priced up to $9,800 because it's the fifth starters. It's that day. It's, you know, it's Thursday or whatever, but he should be 6,700 and the pitchers that are 6,700 should be like 5,900. It's like, I'm just going to take the 6,700 pitchers and just stack up all of the rest of the chalk because you guys are making a bad decision on Julio Teheran. I, the, the leverage is so easy to find in MLB. Um, I, I don't but, think but sometimes you find it and it doesn't, I was stacked against Joe Musgrove and that didn't work. Oh no, that never works. 
It's it's no, only it works. It just didn't work. Eighty six hundred from Musgrove. No, but it didn't work because you did it. If you don't right. take Musgrove, he's going to do well. But if you take him, he's going to do badly. Well, the Diamondbacks are horrible. Maybe that that's the reason. They are also horrible. Yeah, I mean, the other day I stacked against uh, who was it? I, I think that I stacked the Rangers against somebody bad. They didn't do well. It was two nights ago. Whatever. Anyway, I stacked the Rangers, not because I think they're good, but because like it gave me a lot of leverage. The pitcher was supposed to be 50% owned. I've yeah, I'm just gonna stack against him if he's not an ace. So that that's all that I had to do. And that's that's the beauty of MLB. Right. And then you play play this over the long the whole thing is the long run. Yeah. You're gonna be wrong most of the time. Most of the time you will be wrong. But when you're right, how much do you make when you're right? A statement that I think is important to make during MLB and during NBA as well, but no MLB slate, like you shouldn't be playing MLB slates as if they are one slate. You should be playing the MLB year as if it is one slate. Right. That's, that's the idea. Like each MLB slate is just one at bat out of the entire season as one game. Just play it that way. And and, and like, don't think of individual slates just look at it as one at bat. It's like, okay, I struck out last night. We're back up. Struck out last night. We're back up. Eventually hit a home run, take your ROI. And then, you know, that that's all you have to do. You just try to win the game over the course of the season. So just don't look at slates individually. The, these daily slates, people look at them and they're like, oh, well, I, I, I'm getting frustrated because I'm not winning. And it's like, it's dude, four it's been days. Like, what you, yeah, it's been four days. It's four and, days. And other people will look at what is working over the first four days and be like, oh, well, I have to copy that. And it's like, right, dude, it's, it's been... Same thing. It's four. It's been four days. Dude, It's it, it, you could go a month and I'll be like, it's a month. It's been 30 days. Yeah. Right? What are you yeah. talking about? Come back to me. Uh, let, let, come back to me after three or four months. Yeah. If I'm right. still if I'm still laboring after three months, uh, all right, I I'm, I need to figure something out. But like right. after, after a couple of days, after a month, I don't care, dude. It, it's just a couple slates, just a couple of bats. Right. So uh, you, you can find uh, me and James talking about a lot of this type of stuff. Correlation, construction, leverage. And the theory of daily fantasy sports is a 15-hour audio masterclass. You'll learn all the fundamental concepts of expert-level DFS gameplay that will completely revolutionize your process and put yourself on the same footing as the pros. The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. 15 hours of me and James in your pocket. Uh, I mean, it's a, a lot of stuff that we talk about on the pregame show, but it's much more condensed, streamlined, structured way that you can reference. And I mean, this, at any time, this will this will be five years from now. This will DFS will still be around. This will still apply. So go to theoryofdfs.com. Uh, for for that, but four day four days sample size in baseball is is nothing, right? So if if you lost all four days, that doesn't mean it. Okay, great. Has has, has Stan hit a home run yet this year? Stan Stanton. Oh, Stanton. No, no. Absolutely. Oh, that means he can't oh, four days. See, that means he'll never hit a home run ever again. I mean, like, come on. Well, to be fair, I'll just let everybody know when I have him. Because he is guaranteed to have the bases loaded and to have a warning track fly out. If I have him. Guaranteed. No, no strikeout. That's worse. I don't think that's worse. I think that seeing seeing the ball get hit 
on the little MLB app and seeing it be an outs and then seeing flies out sharply. No, you just see in play out. You don't know it's a warning track oh, shot. No, I, I watch it and I see oh, in don't play watch out. and that's your problem. Don't watch and then it. I see the description of flies out sharply to left field or whatever, and I just tilt my face off like the strikeout i don't care at least he didn't make contact but if he makes contact i assume that every time that stanton makes contact with the baseball the baseball actually evaporates and ends up somewhere else in the universe miles away because that man hits balls uh with more power than that of the sun how about otani yesterday otani's incredible i bought uh both of his rookie cards like the instant that he hit that home run i went to ebay and bought both of his rookie cards because i love him if he if he doesn't get if he doesn't get injured, he's MVP. No, if he if he doesn't get injured, he may be the greatest baseball player ever. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I there, there's nobody that is built the way that Shohei Otani is, uh, and I wish that there was more of his quality of athlete in the league because it would. Can you imagine like if if uh, Tatis Junior could throw 100 miles an hour on the mound? That's Shohei Otani. Like, and, and well, but, that, but that's the point that, that, that I'm making. It's just like, imagine he, he plays the next 14 years because he's 26. <laughs> and he puts up what? Even though wins don't matter. Puts up 150 wins. Wins the Cy Young twice. Hits 500 home runs. Like how 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 do you how do you say that like there's no there's, who 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 could possibly I mean that that's just unheard I mean Babe Ruth. The beauty of it is that he is going to play really really well for the next ten years, right? And he's going to win two Cy Youngs, and there's going to be you know he's going to be with Mike Trout, and both of them are going to have five MVPs between the two of them. Angels have zero playoff wins, <laughs> not a single one. Because the no, Angels no. are not allowed to get to the playoffs and win games, and it's a travesty. Yeah, you know what? You know what's going to end up happening. He's going to do all of that, and people just like because MLB doesn't know how to market, they'll, people will still not know who these people are. It's incredible. Right, well, Mike no, Trout's no, the best player in baseball, and, and he can probably walk down the street and no one knows who he is. Right, exactly. And and the thing about that is because uh, nobody will know who he is because there are blackout restrictions, and you can't actually watch the Angels in California. <laughs> It's disgusting. I don't know how the I don't know how the MLB is so bad at this. Like, just cut a deal with a streaming service, put all of all of the baseball games on Hulu or on whatever. I, I don't care. Just put it on some streaming service and get paid billions of dollars to do it. And there you go. Like, why why the blackout restrictions? Why the, the you can't put the clips on social media without getting a copyright violation? Oh God! Remember when Pitching Ninja got put into Twitter jail and got his account deleted because MLB came after him? That was incredible. He's like the best marketing agent that the MLB has. It's insane. I the, These old people that don't understand how to actually make money, making decent money. Because let's let's face it, the baseball player owners, like, they, they make plenty of money. These teams make plenty of money. But can you imagine how much more money they would be making if they didn't suck so bad at marketing their sport? Right. They don't market their players at all. It's like... You take you take a look around the league and you go, okay, n- n- name your favorite baseball player. Like it's just to a casual person, they'd be like, I don't even know who's play- who play. Right. Who? <laughs> yeah. If you go to a bar and you talk to somebody who doesn't watch baseball, they have no idea who who Mike Trout is. 
Mike Trout's and I like that's not a sexy name. People, everybody knows who Patrick Mahomes is. Everybody knows Tom Brady. Nobody knows Mike Trout. Nobody knows Shohei Tani. There's Nobody probably knows. there's probably thirty basketball players that people know before their first baseball player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is it's it's gross. I I very much like MLB and I actually enjoy like going to MLB games, but it just sucks that you can't have conversations about it in like pa- casual passing. Because people don't know who the players are. And I kind of get the same vibes like esports. There's a reason why I say that esports is going to be bigger than baseball in five years. And it's not because I think that esports is more entertaining to watch, even though it is. It's just that, like, it has a global reach, whereas baseball doesn't even have a state-to-state reach in the United States. Like, you, you can't even watch. If you try to watch a Chicago Cubs game in Milwaukee, you can't. I can't watch I here in Louisville. I can't watch the on 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 MLB TV. I can't watch the Reds. How does it make sense? How does that make the Reds sense? are in Ohio, but they're <laughs> technically Louisville is in the because that's the closest MLB team. Like nope, no. Anytime the anytime I go to MLB.tv, it gives me the radio. I could listen to the re- the audio, but not the video. And it's like I don't even care about the Reds. What this is stupid. I, only because their rights are Bally Sports, which is weird for me to say. It's not Fox Sports anymore. I have to, I have to put, it, put it on my cable, Bally Sports Ohio, in order to watch the Reds, even though I have that. Let me at least log in with that on MLB TV. Right. So I can, no, I can't even do that. So it's like, do they not realize that it's baseball? It's, uh, it's, it's not the most attractive sport to most people. That the more... the what I'm going to do is not go, oh, that means I need to get Bally Sports. No, it just means I'm just going to shut it off completely and just not watch the Reds. Right. No, Nobody is going to be buying multiple extra channels to watch all these different teams. It does, Only the most hardcore fans are going to do that. I am not even sure that people would do that for NFL. I, I don't think that people would like, like, would you buy an extra channel to watch the Jets? Well, you're talking to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy an extra channel to watch any sport. If you if you liked sports, <laughs> if you liked watching sports, oh, like the Giants, right? Because my my I was a Giants fan, but sure. oh, do I need to get the no? Then I just don't do it. Yeah, and I I don't think many people would. I I don't think that many people would go out of their way to buy an extra channel to watch a team that is not quote unquote in their jurisdiction. I, it's it's the worst marketing scheme that you could possibly have for anything that actually wants to make money. I, I just think that every baseball owner and like Rob Manford, I think they hate baseball and then they just don't want it to succeed. It's bad. Well, we got baseball today, right? Yeah. We got, we got, we got baseball for the next six months. Beautiful. Right? Beautiful. Better than NBA. Ah, at least yeah. DFS wise. <laughs> so, uh, so James can be found at pay dirt underscore DFS. And at paydirtgutghost.io because you still didn't get a domain name. I still have not gotten a domain name. But no, you can, you can find me at, uh, at paydirt underscore DFS on the Twitter machines. Um, you can find all of my work at paydirtgutghost.io. Uh, definitely go over there, check that out. I, I love the sheets. I have put together a new web application version of it. And the, uh, the game betting model is going to be back this week after trying to collect some data from the first couple days of the season because I didn't know how the baseball was going to act because – that nobody at the MLB actually knows what they're putting together with the baseballs either. So 
Uh, you can find all my work there. And of course you can find uh, theory DFS from me and Jordan. And um, yeah, you should, you should get that too. Cause all of that stuff is most applicable to baseball. I think. Yeah, pretty. I mean, it's applicable to all sports, no matter what sport you play theory of DFS.com. Find me on Twitter at blender HD. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. We have a seven game slate tonight. We'll go over, we'll review it tomorrow. Let's see what happens. And uh, we'll, we'll keep on going. I'm here every morning, every weekday morning. Uh, this week on Wednesday and Thursday, I'll be on Grinders Live. So it won't be a pregame show, but I'll still be here with you in the morning. It'll be a little bit later, but whatever. But that, that's, that, that's what I'm, I'm normally here, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.